Welcome to Donuts with Diane, a space for me to talk to my family, friends, and whoever else tunes in about tough subjects spoken kindly, where ignorance is explored and erased, where opinions are shared along with love expressed and laughter so loud it echoes, a space where stories and experiences are welcome, and last but not least, a space where donuts are being eaten. This podcast gives me a chance to invite guests and become educated in subjects perhaps I have been ignorant to. I am hoping that as a listener, you lean in and learn a thing or two or become curious about something that is discussed, whether a serious subject or a lighthearted subject. I hope you know that you are listening to a trusted voice that wants to learn, love, and laugh with you. You are listening to Donuts with Diane. Hello, friends. It is a beautiful, beautiful, sunny Tuesday morning. I almost said Wednesday. I have all my days mixed up because I am not physically at work. I am sitting in my living room and it is 2020 and there's a lot of things going on right now, obviously. We are in the middle of this pandemic this COVID-19 situation that seems to be haunting us for way longer than I thought it would. Um, Anyways, this episode is not about COVID-19. Friends, today I wanted to talk about trauma. I wanted to talk about trauma because I was reflecting and there has been a lot of things that have happened within the last four years of my life that have been pretty traumatic for me and my siblings, my father, my mother. Um, Yeah, kind of for all of us. Not saying that what I went through was the most profound, traumatic experience that anyone has ever experienced. But the last four years of my life have been pretty intense. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about trauma. And then I wanted to bring someone who's a bit more or a lot more (laughs) experienced with trauma than I am and can kind of educate me on what trauma is, on why we ignore trauma on why I've ignored trauma. So let's take it back to 2016. My big sister, who I loved and still love, obviously, my big sister gets diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer. Um, and I'm there to see the whole thing. Never in my life would I think that a family member so close to me would have cancer. 
let alone two, with one not surviving. So that happened. My sister is a fighter. She's amazing. She's one of the strongest people I know. I love her so much. And I get to laugh with her. And she's here. She's alive. And it's beautiful. She made it. So fast forward, she had a double mastectomy. Uh, so both both breasts were removed. Um, she went she went through three different surgeries it was intense you know and I saw the fear in my parents eyes as much as they wanted to be strong for her for all of us it was a confusing time for every single one of my siblings and anyone who knows my family and I my immediate family knows that we are extremely close you know so it was rough and I saw the whole thing and I was still trying to take classes and I was failing obviously because I'm not good at managing both things so while my sister was going through cancer and I had my own issues going on I started failing a lot of my classes and I didn't want to tell anyone because I was embarrassed because I was Diane or Diane, you know, I, I was your typical church girl. I was your typical school girl. I, all these people believed in me and, you know, I was on my way to, to graduating with the journalism degree that I ended up not pursuing. Um, so it was hard. And not once did I think it was at all traumatic. To me, it just felt like life was hard once again for us, for me. And it was even harder because during that time, I felt like I could tell no one of my shortcomings. Because, I mean, my big sister was battling cancer and she just had both of her breasts removed who was I to come up to anyone in my family and say wow because she's going through cancer I am having so much depression living with her that I am failing my classes I am having so much depression that I don't think I'm beautiful I don't think I'm smart I don't think I'm worth it I think that being a part of this family sucks because, you know, my sister's going through this. That means we must be really bad people to deserve something like this. So that was my mentality. Her life had transformed right in front of my eyes. And it was beautiful. But sometimes I often wonder how much of it has still affected her. How much of that experience has she not healed from that still haunts her without knowing? How much of that experience still haunts me without me being aware? How much of that experience still haunts my father and my other siblings without us being aware? So I want to talk a little bit about unhealed trauma. 
Because I think that's what the average American or maybe the average human being. As you can see, that's where I am not at all educated in trauma. And this is mostly just me trying to figure it out. That's why I think it's so important for me to bring someone that is able to kind of give me the facts and to kind of explain to me what exactly is trauma and how do millions of Americans go about their life living with unhealed trauma and when is it an excuse? I never realized how traumatic my mother's death was until after it happened which when I look back my mother passed away in 2018 so when I look back I'm like I mean all of that happened right there and then how did you not think that was traumatic like how did you think that was normal And sometimes, like, I can't believe that I went through that. It's so crazy to think, right? So anyways, fast forward. My mother was sick. But it was never the type of sickness where I thought she was going to pass away. She checks into a hospital with the full intentions of coming back home that same night. To fast forward, things kind of get worse and worse and worse until she passes away. (laughs) I remember whenever I would be at work, I just desperately wanted to be at the hospital with her. And the worst part is, I didn't want it to come across as me being lazy or me making up excuses for not being at work, that I would go to work, you know? The day before she passed away, I drove to the parking lot I mean I drove to work parked in the parking lot and I was so scared my fingers were shaking my body was frozen and I spoke to to my sister Jamie and she was explaining to me how death is just an illusion that even if my mother were to die that it's just an illusion but I couldn't grasp that. I couldn't grasp the idea of my mother not physically being here. Um, It just wasn't going to work for me. And there was nothing that anyone could tell me to really make it feel any better. I went to go get some food that I did not eat because I was in so much fear. And I was so nauseous. And every single time a doctor walked in with a white coat, 
I was so close to fainting. I didn't realize how much it was, how much the stress of my mother possibly passing away those last two days were physically causing me to to look sick myself. Within that week, I had lost over. So originally, I I weighed 135, 36. That's my usual weight. And by the time we buried my mother, just within a week, um, I was at 125. And then after we had buried her, I was at 120. Um, so yeah, it, it took, it took a lot out of me more than I had realized that, that trauma, that, that effect. What hurts me the most is she was a good person. And what hurts the most is that like, even though she knew she was dying, She couldn't understand why. It was so painful. And I remember her telling me right before my father and my siblings came in because I ditched work, right? So I got there before they came. And she told me, I'm really, really looking back and trying to figure out what I had done so wrong to deserve this type of pain. You know, it would play over and over in my mind those last two days. You know, people, we talk about death. Death is intense no matter what. Watching someone that you love die right in front of you. And there is absolutely nothing that you can do. It hurts your feelings, if I can be honest. It really, it really humbles you. And it screws up with your head. So much more than you can imagine. You know? I think for me, what makes the experience so traumatic is that all the images and the words are stuck in my head. And they always circle. They always circle back and back and back. Sometimes I'm sleeping. Sometimes on a beautiful sunny day such as today. I wish that I could drive to my mom's store, you know, and talk to her. But I can't. So those image of my brother, this tall, dark, handsome boy... All of a sudden, looking so small when he's looking at my mom, 
while she has all these tubes stuck in her on life support still plays in my head this the whole time you know when you get that really huge lump in your throat when you're just so hurt you don't know what to do with yourself and you're trying to hold back your tears kind of like what I was doing a a couple of seconds ago that's what it was now that it's been a year and some months I am able to better reflect on how traumatic her death was on how my siblings and I witnessed the whole thing from her last words to when her eyes were closed it was intense (laughs) and after the funeral after we and that's the thing right what was interesting was for me I felt like we got no break from the moment that she passed away we had a wake because that's how it is in the community in the African community you know everyone shows up at your house and people weep with you up until they they bury your loved one so it was really emotional because we didn't even get to grieve properly so honestly it was after the funeral and then it was the whole 2019 year that I felt like okay, now I'm actually grieving. And obviously I'm still in the process of grieving. I loved my mother. Like, talk about attachment, right? We suffer because we're attached. If we weren't attached, we wouldn't suffer. So I try to be cautious of what I share about my mother, about the trauma of her death. But I often wonder, am I really over it? When we ignore the impact of a devastating event or of traumatic situations that are ongoing, that unreleased energy from the flight to fight freeze response remains trapped in our bodies. And that's been my case. Sometimes I'm either extremely numb or overly emotional. And I have yet to find the balance. So I truly believe that there's unhealed trauma there. So what is the definition of trauma? Trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience or event that overwhelms an individual's ability to cope, causes feelings of helplessness, diminishes their sense of self and their ability to feel full range of emotions and experiences. In simple definition, that is what trauma is. But anyways, I can talk about my experience I can talk about my trauma, but I'm not a master at this. However, I do know someone who has her master's in this. Shamika Bagard has her bachelor's of psychology from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. She has her master's in social work from the University of Southern California. She is trained in trauma-informed care 
trauma CBT, PTSD, and has worked with youth dealing with trauma for about 10 plus years. So let's welcome her. Tamika, thank you so much for coming to Donuts with Diane. I wish, I feel bad because you're like my third guest and I wasn't able to buy you any donuts because you're not physically next to me. <laughs> so the next time you're in Vegas, I owe you donuts. But Donuts, thank you so <laughs> yeah. much. I appreciate you asking me to like come on even though I can't be there. Oh, and thank yeah, you so definitely much. next time we can get donuts together, yeah, girl. <laughs> of course. Like I know, I don't know, trauma is one of those things that I've often been interested in, but I just I don't I'm not educated when it comes to trauma. Um even though I definitely feel like I have trauma because I don't think anyone can really leave this earth without having some type of trauma. Mm -hmm. And although there's some traumas that are more severe than others, I think that we're all marked a little bit by something that has an effect on our personal lives. And yes, if you can just start off with talking a little bit of your personal opinion on trauma um, and how you relate to it and what your career is as far as dealing with trauma patients or people that have dealt, dealt with severe trauma. Trauma, like you said, everybody experiences trauma. That just means like something that is distressing, right? Deeply mm-hmm. distressing and disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be something small as like losing an animal, right? Mm-hmm. Lo- losing a pet. Or it can be something big, such as losing a family member mm-hmm. or even breaking up in a relationship. So anything that is like super emotionally distressing for somebody can be characterized as trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the past, I guess, 10 years, I've worked in shelters with at-risk youth. I've worked in group homes. I've worked in summer camps for urban youth. Um, and I help you through their trauma um such as being raped Mm. or being abused by family members those that are removed from their homes and put in different placements because their family members may not be able to care for them Mm -hmm. they may be addicted to drugs um so ultimately i help them to work through that process work through their trauma and to be reunited with their family or have better relationships with their family yeah Someone who deals with a lot of at-risk youth, though, do you find that, does that cause trauma within yourself? Like, being able to to hear all these very disturbing stories, honestly, um, and seeing that it's happening to to youth, people that are young, people that are still trying to learn themselves. Do you leave your job kind of feeling like, wow, this is affecting me. It's traumatic for my own personal life. Or do you kind of separate that? Because for me, I think that was one of my biggest fear in ever trying to be involved with uh, with psychology or social work was that fear that I wouldn't know how to separate myself from those people that have dealt with that trauma and that mm-hmm. I would bring it home and it would cause me to have some type of trauma. Right. So I do have a degree in psychology, and then I'm almost done with my master's in social work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would consider myself a mental health professional, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, that still means that I'm human, right? Yeah. All of us are human. Mm-hmm. We are very empathetic and compassionate. 
So when I hear some kids that have like really bad experiences, such as like a young girl being raped by her dad, right? Mm-hmm. I can't just block that out and then leave work and be like, okay, that's just over with. Yeah. No, we also experience secondhand trauma. Mm. So that means um, we feel those emotions. It does break our hearts too. Um, and we have to keep in mind that we're there to help them through it, right? We can't get sucked into it yeah. to the point where we can't do our jobs. Yeah. So sometimes it's easy to just leave work at work and to separate ourselves. Yeah. Sometimes it's more difficult and that's why they have mental health days so that we can take time off of work when we need it so that we can deal with yeah. our own emotions so that we can be whole in order to help the next kid the next time. But yeah, yeah sometimes it definitely affects us too. Yeah. Yeah. I figured it would. And when you talk about like um, having like mental health days, right? I often think or this, I guess this is the, the research I was trying to figure out was, you know, I sat down at home and with this quarantine, you know, just being stuck at home, I was really trying to analyze myself or trying to figure myself out. And I was really, you know, asking myself how much trauma have I really experienced and how how much of it has been ignored or do I cater to it? So when you talk about having like mental health days, right? Is it similar to, to figuring out what caused trauma in your life or is it just how to avoid trauma? Because I feel like the average American or the average human being, really, a lot of us have experienced some type of trauma, but we wouldn't categorize it as trauma. So when are we being dramatic? Like if let's say I, I moved here, I moved here when I was young, right? Like eight years old. Um, is that a part of trauma? You know, staying in different countries for a little bit and then finding home uh, in America. Like, did that cause some type of effect, some type of trauma in me? Is that something that would be categorized as such? Or would that would that be me being tra- uh, dramatic? Does that make sense? Like, I don't know when to categorize me over analyzing things mm-hmm. that have happened to my life or me kind of like uh, brushing it off and saying, oh, this is not trauma, but it really is. Right. So when it comes to your own feelings, yeah, um, I don't think that you can be overly dramatic, right? Mm. You want to, when you go through something such as moving from a different country and coming somewhere that's brand new and having to relearn the culture, that can be traumatizing because that is a very big and very huge experience, right? So you may experience that different than like your sister or your brother, right? So what you feel is what you feel. Mm. And the part where it becomes like very traumatic is when it is debilitating to the rest of your life, right? So if you can't function and you're having flashbacks or now you don't trust people, right? Because it's a new place. That's where you would need healing. So that's where mental health professionals would come in because you would need to actually get through that process. No, it won't change the fact that you experienced that, but it'll help you to heal through that and to talk through that process and to um, kind of like switch up the script that you have playing in your head mm-hmm. so that it's not no longer debilitating. But it's it's OK that you can walk through everyday life 
having that experience in your mind and you know how to function better day to day. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Do you think that some people use trauma as an excuse though? Because to me, that's my biggest fear. And going back to when my mother passed away, before she was even buried, I was going to job interviews and I was acting okay. And I don't think it was a way of feeling numb because I definitely became numb after her death. But during that time before she was buried, I didn't want people to think that I'm making up excuses. Oh, my mom's dead, so I can't work, so I can't do this and that, that I started doing a lot of things. I would go to like three job interviews a day and you know, laugh with friends right after the funeral because I didn't want my trauma to be an excuse. So is there a point in someone's life where they're using their trauma as an excuse to not do things like to work or, you know, to socialize with people? People can use it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it, that is right. Like you can't. So my mom has passed away. My dad has passed away. Yeah. And I couldn't just get up and go back to work. I couldn't just make everything seem like it was okay because it it wasn't okay. Right. right? So sometimes we do want to put on a show for people or we want them to think that we're okay because we can't necessarily talk about it at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lack of coping skills there. Right. So if we feel too much or if we become numb or we pretend like everything is okay, we're not actually feeling the emotions that we're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. And we're not allowing our bodies to go through that grieving process in order to actually get back to a new normal. Huh. So I, I definitely think that people can use it as an excuse. excuse yeah. um, and they need to work through that. Yeah. You will never get over the passing of a loved one. Mm-hmm. You get through it though Mm -hmm. and your heart gets a little tougher your skin gets a little tougher right and there's a new normal you should be able to get through life without breaking down every time you think about your mom Mm -hmm. or falling apart or you know like putting too many of your thoughts and emotions on the people that are around you yeah because you you adapt does that make sense? Yes. Um, oh, no, it makes perfect sense. And, okay. <laughs> and I think that's how I live now. It's Well, after her, her death, I definitely adapted. I, it's interesting because now I, I feel that people are comfortable sharing about their trauma. And um, I feel like our generation is really open about, about people's differences and people's feelings. But I can't help but to think, do you think that as a society, we still brush off trauma or do you think we we dramatize it? So overall, I think that society and social media and television, they're starting to put out more stuff about self-care and mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. Drinking your tea and doing yoga. Yeah. But that's not the only thing that self-care is about. Right. If we're just ignoring the situation that we're going through and we are doing our yoga and getting our nails done, but we Mm -hmm. don't want to talk about the real issues, Mm -hmm. then are we as a uh, as a society, are we really facing it Mm -hmm. or are we kind of just brushing it off? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I like working in this field. One thing that I can say is that African-Americans and Hispanic Americans Mm -hmm. 
do not face their trauma. Mm -hmm. They just brush it off. Mm -hmm. Right. When I'm working in group homes, I have only, I think I only had one person that was white or Caucasian. Right. Yeah. Because white parents, they typically face trauma. They talk yeah. to their kids about what's going on. They get them their help when they need it, yeah. whether that's rehab or therapy, counseling. Um, they go to the doctors more than African-Americans. Like, yeah. They make sure that they they are taken care of. Now, for African-Americans, they're like, we don't believe in therapists, right? Mm -hmm. We don't believe in counseling. You will just get over it. Yeah. Or for Christians, it's like, just pray about it. Yes. God will take care of you. Yeah. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And it's brushed under, under the rug. And for Hispanic Americans also, it's like they kind of tell their kids, just toughen up. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Right? So if we're telling our kids, just get over it. It'll be fine. Just pray about it. Yeah. Then we're not dealing with it. And then those youth, they become adults, right? Yes. And then they have kids and then they tell their kids to get over it. Yeah. So we're repeating the cycle of people being broken and then we're saying do self-care but we don't know what that actually means yeah. right so people don't know they can't do things that they don't know how to do yeah oh my gosh I totally agree that gave me goosebumps because <laughs> <laughs> it did because honestly you know that's that's how it is and for a long time I thought this was only an African thing it's not an African-American or per se, or let's say a minority issue. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, growing up in the African community, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, we, we mourn, we mourn, you know, the person that, that passed away, you know, we cry about it and then, yeah, then toughen up type of thing. And I remember my big sister, Jamie, uh, talking to the family about seeing a, a family therapist and everyone basically kind of grilled her <laughs> because... <laughs> Because we don't believe in that. Um, and I think that's where I, I think that's a good point to bring up because I think that's why I roll my eyes so much because I've been taught to, to toughen up that whenever people embrace their trauma or want to talk about it and to me seems so small, I'm just kind of like, oh, get over it type of thing, you know? Um, right. And I talk about this earlier on my show as well where I... For the longest time, and I was never able to say this at first, but now I feel free. I'm, I'm, a, I'm for the most part, I'm an open book, and now I feel free sharing this. But I was a late bed wetter, so I didn't stop wetting the bed till I was like 19 years old, and it wasn't consistent. But there was plenty of times where I would do it, and obviously became an issue. And my parents had to figure out why, but it. It was mostly to them, it was more so a physical issue. So right. we would go to doctors and they couldn't figure out what it was, you know, because my, my blood work and everything was turning out normal. And one day the doctor said, can your mom leave the room? And so my mom left and the doctor asked me, are you sure? Like, are you positive you were never raped as mm -hmm. a child? And I was like, oh, my gosh, like automatically I brushed it off. Right. The idea of even talking about something like that or considering it or bring it up to my parents and say, well, you know, I, I still wet the bed and they can't figure out what it is. Can it be more so psychological than it is physical? 
Um, but it, you know, it's something that I never felt comfortable because we don't talk about sexuality in the African right. community. We don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about trauma. It's you get over it. Whatever happened is done. Um, but you're right. We grow up being these adults that still have issues and we can figure out why we have these issues because we were told as, you know, as children or as teenagers to get over it. Your body will tell you things, even if your mind tries to suppress it and mm-hmm. block it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. And I, I don't know why we don't like talking about it. I don't know. I don't know the fear behind it because I, you know, even talking to my husband and he's like, oh yeah, me and my mother have talked about this. We've talked about that. And it's kind of like, well, I can't imagine talking to my father about that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so I, I don't know the fear behind it, but we definitely don't embrace, we don't embrace trauma um, in our culture. And it's nice to know that it's not just Africans, it's African-Americans, it's Hispanics, perhaps even, um, you know, Asian culture. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, that's, do you have an idea of why perhaps it's an issue or why we have that, that fear? So from an early, an early age, right? Kids learn through modeling. Mm -hmm. They learn through how their parents talk to them, how they um, affirm them, or how they don't affirm them. Mm. If you tell your parents, like, oh, you got a cut, right? And they come and they run to you and they clean your cut and they tell you it's okay, you will know that it's okay to go to them and to cry to them because they're going to help you. Now, if you get a cut and they say, get up, suck it up, you'll be fine, you're going to know that going to them is not a safe place. Mm. Right. So we learn throughout our lives that some people, it's okay to talk to them because they provide a safe environment for me. Mm -hmm. Then you learn that for your parents or your brothers and your sisters, it is not a safe place. So we keep everything inside. There's a fear that comes with talking to people because they may reject us. Mm -hmm. They may not understand. They don't get us. Right. So on one hand, we're scared to talk to them. And then on the other hand, they're they're going to reject us. And then. Another aspect is that we feel like we may fall apart. If I tell you my truth and I tell you that I'm dealing with this death and I can't get out of bed and I don't want to eat and I think I'm depressed and I'm just so fearful, um, I may cry and I may not stop crying. What Mm. am I going to do if I'm not okay? Mm. We don't get trained or talked to about if we're not okay in that moment. We don't get affirmed that it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we don't know what will happen on the other side of actually discussing our trauma. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think though we are moving forward as far as accepting, embracing and talking about trauma compared to before? Or do you think it's just an illusion because there's more social media? And people that are willing to to talk about it. I think that it is an illusion. Really? Um, Yes. I was not expecting that answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it is an illusion because when I do counseling with whoever, it can be an adult or with kids, people are very hesitant. Mm -hmm. They still want to be like, no, I just handle it on my own. No, I don't want to talk about it. But I do think that, like, within 10 years or so that, or even after this pandemic, people need to talk. This yeah. is traumatizing. Yes. So um, <laughs> people may move 
towards like actually addressing things and seeking out professional help Mm. but as far as social media everything on social media is just a show if there's one thing you can you can leave for you know the person listening to this episode any positivity about trauma uh, what would it be um so when we talk to people about our trauma it gives us the opportunity to heal it's proven that when somebody affirms us mm-hmm. and is there to support us walking through every detail with us that we actually start to get better. Mm. Our lives start to improve. Our emotions and our mindset start to improve. And suppressing it does not help. Yeah. Right? So, like, the steps of healing will ultimately be to embrace healing, be Mm. open to it, right? To accept support. You have to ask people to be there with you. You can't do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, Seek professional help because that's what we're out there for to be there with you we actually care we genuinely want to see growth after the trauma Mm. and to practice mindfulness mindfulness can be just taking 20 seconds to think about where you're at what what kind of socks do you have on do you have socks on at all are your toenails polished you know Mm. it's it's just being present in that in the moment and then also adding self-care exercise if you like yoga do yoga but do things to calm yourself down and then you'll realize that your life will succeed in ways that it couldn't have if you did not actually go through the steps of actually healing from your trauma and working through it. Mm. Wow. That's good. That's so good. Thank you so much, you know, for doing this. And I think you, you know, you definitely have a gift and the fact that you even, oh. yeah, <laughs> the fact that you've been thrived through school while all of that traumatic experience was happening to you, I think speaks a lot on the type of person that you are. So I, I think those, you know, those patients that work with you are so blessed, probably more than they know because they're going through a lot. So they don't think about it now. But I'm pretty sure 10 years from now, when they've healed, they will remember you. So thank you so, so much. No, thank you to you. Because it's, it's not it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, even now, and my dad passed away, yeah. and I'm still in grad school and still going. Yeah. It's not easy, but I believe that we go through stuff to help somebody else through it. Mm-hmm. So if anybody is listening to this and they're experiencing something, just know it doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. And you'll be the person to help somebody else through their own trauma. Absolutely. Man, thank you. That was so good. <laughs> You're awesome. Friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to another episode of Donuts with Diane. Although this episode was really hard for me to record, I knew that it was a necessary episode and I'm hoping that it can at least touch one person out there. And I had so much fun being able to just talk to Shamika and get to learn a little bit more about trauma. Please don't forget to follow my Instagram account, Donuts with Diane. See, I can't even talk. And my personal Instagram account, Diane K. Goff, spelled G-O-U-G-H. And tune in next time as I talk about purity culture. We're talking about sexuality, about sex, and about all types of different 
interesting and uncomfortable conversation. And I have multiple girls that are able to talk to me about their personal experience on purity culture. So I'm so excited. Again, why eat sweets when you can be sweet? Love you, friends. Bye.